It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. We've never sounded classier than we do right now. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hide at Doug and Mary and tell you you can hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Reach out and they'll give you all the information. Want to pass this along? We're just ahead of bagged milk from Oilers Nation. Uh, this is from Buzz, uh, from Cliff, um, in Busby. Uh, John Short graciously served a tray of coffee at dawn to us. Those of us who lined up outside the Coliseum in the wee hours to purchase WHA Oilers season tickets. A brief chat with John left us feeling great. Wonderful man. He was, and such a great storyteller. Oh my God. I'll miss that probably most about him. We're joined now by another great storyteller with a great storytelling dog. Bag Milk joins us from Oilers Nation. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and uh, I just wanted to say I wanted to offer my, you know, my condolences to you for John Short as a friend of yours. Obviously, a tough day, so I just wanted to start off with that. I was listening to you on the way into the office today, and uh, I thought you just did a really, really great job for those of us who didn't get a chance to know the man. So just want to say thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I think that you and I and everybody in this industry can thank John and Brian Hall and Cam Cole and Jim Matheson and Terry Jones and Barry Westgate for kind of... Uh, setting the foundation for the industry that we're in. I mean, the internet has helped and all the, the other things, but, uh, this is a, a rabid sports and hockey town and John's one of the reasons. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, as I was listening to you, as I mentioned, driving in, you kind of hear a little bit of the history and a couple of the stories that you mentioned and you kind of realize how lucky we are to have those, uh, those folks like John kind of paving the way for us to get here uh, today. So. Yeah. Uh, really, really great opening to the show today. I appreciate that. So let's start here because I'm getting inundated with it, and I haven't mentioned it because of the nature of the first hour of the show. But Corey Perry is on the minds of Oilers fans. Some are saying, "Man, the numbers don't look good," and others are saying, "Who cares? He's one of those guys who is kind of a, a you know a rat, a, a a guy who can discombobulate the other team. He's a nasty bit of work." Corey Perry, thoughts. It's an interesting question, right? I mean, obviously the news came out today that he's being cleared to to come back to play, but we don't know what exactly happened in Chicago. So it's it's an interesting question. Now, Edmonton is a city that does take in some reclamation projects over the years. It's, it's well documented. So I think that in terms of a fit for somebody looking for another chance, Edmonton would make sense. And I, I think that, who knows whether it works or not or whether they could even make the money work or any of the details that matter in a situation like this. But ultimately, when you're talking about a player like Corey Perry, you look at what he's done, who he is, and what he can contribute on the ice. And I, I have a hard time saying no, it would be a bad idea to have somebody with the Stanley Cup pedigree. Like you said, he's an absolute menace on the ice. He's a pest. He'll get under your skin. And I feel like the Oilers, that's an ingredient that they could use more of in the roster. Whether or not that specific person is Corey Perry remains to be seen. But I do think that the Oilers could use a little bit of that sandpaper, use a little bit of that annoyingness in the bottom six in the roster. Somebody to get their other team off their game. And as we've seen for, you know, 1,200 games, almost 1,300 games now, that is Corey Perry. So it's an interesting question, and I'm fascinated to see kind of how this plays out and whether or not the Oilers kick tires on them or if it even goes beyond just Oilers Twitter kind of doing what we do. Um, it's going to be a fascinating story to follow for sure. I think that based on what we know about Ken Holland, there will be interest. My question is, 
Uh, he's, I think he's going to have five or six teams that will be interested, including Edmonton. And I think it's going to come down to where he wants to play because mm-hmm. th- there's going to be a lot. He's just a famous name. And, and even if you've got him as an extra forward, uh, that's a guy that, that teams like to add. They'll spend extra. They'll, they'll send draft picks away to get the guy. This guy is there and available for only money. I think that's going to, if anything, increase his value. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. And at the end of the day, what we're looking at is I heard on your show, again, as I was driving into the office, people asking about Dan Gagne not playing tonight. And they have a lot of six. That's on pace for more than 40 points in a season. And if you could get that kind of production in your bottom six, along with some of the intangibles, I think that you maybe take a run at it. So it's not like he's completely devoid of production as well. He did have 25 points last year in Tampa Bay. He had 40 the season before that. Uh, that was a bit of, I guess, yeah, I mean, he's a 38-year-old man now, and in terms of sports, he might as well be a dinosaur. But um, it's an interesting question because, like I said, it's not like he's not providing any any production as well. He was doing that in Chicago before everything went down. So it's going to be a very, very interesting question. If you, if you uh, like you say, if there's four, five, six teams kind of in the mix for him, he's going to have options. What's the best fit? What's the chance to play? What's what's the city he's going to? So there's going to be a lot of uh, – a lot of variables in play there for Corey Perry. That's the kind of list of teams looking at him. The starter tonight in goal is Calvin Pickard. Uh, I, I think that this is a guy who is going to be given a chance here down the stretch to show he's the guy. But I, I still think they're probably going to reach out uh, and and grab a goaltender back up at some point in time with a little more NHL experience. Does he have a chance? Like, do you think if he plays well here, and by well I mean well, uh, that the orders would run into the postseason with Skinner and Pickard as a one-two? That is a fascinating question because over his last five games, or his last five appearances, I should say, three of those were over nine twenty-nine. And if your backup goalie is giving you nine twenty-nine and three of five starts, nine twenty-nine plus, I think you're pretty happy with that. And when you look at his numbers on the season, the two eighty-two goals against average with a nine hundred four percentage, it's not, you know, like he's better than what we were getting from the previous backup goaltender at a fraction of the cost. So I, I'm curious to see what he can do with the opportunities he's getting. We know he's going to play tonight in Detroit. Detroit, as as, as we know, they're on a three-game win streak. They do have some scoring touch. This is not going to be a layup game by any means. When he's given the chance, he's performed admirably so far for the Oilers, and, and I think they might want to keep it running. I do agree they might go get a goalie of some kind to be a backup, maybe a more established backup uh, ahead of the deadline. But if Calvin Pickard can keep playing well, and again, his last start was a 9.33. I know it was against Anaheim, and people always like to point that stuff out, but he still had to make some big saves in there. So if he can keep providing that kind of backup goaltending and giving Stuart Skinner, uh, Skinner some days off when he needs it, he's going to get some leash here. And, and, and it won't be because he's just a person in an Oilers uniform. It's earned, not given. So I think it's a really interesting story to see what Calvin Pickard's doing behind Stuart right now. Back Milk, our guest from Oilers Nation on the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Okay, so... Phil Kemp gets called up. He's a guy that, that, you know, has not spent a day or a a game on NHL ice during a regular season game. These are the guys I always cheer for because they're kind of, you know, in between and maybe he'll have a career. We don't know. But would you like to see him in a game? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think like it. Of course, it's nice to have a guy like Phil Kemp get pulled up, and you get a couple of NHL paychecks while you're up here, and you love to see that for a young man like this. But looking at his season last year, 2022-23, he had 21 points, uh, six goals, 15 assists in 71 games with the Condors. So he was establishing himself a little bit on that right side. And the thing that I, the thing that I think works for him a lot, is if he could provide some sound, quiet defense because he's a right-handed shot. I think that that right-handed shot is really going to go a long way for him. Now, Vinny's playing well in the third pairing, so I don't know that you would want to do anything to mess up the, the pairings. But I could absolutely see a situation where Chris Knobloch maybe wants to go 11-7 and give Phil Kemp some at-bats there and a couple of shifts and probably not play a whole lot of minutes but get some reps in. I could absolutely see that. I'd love to see it. Um, I, I think that giving some young guys an opportunity is something that needs to happen. You got to know what you have there, and I, I, I'm always fascinated. You know, we've been covering the Oilers for a long time now, and part of that is getting excited about young players coming up and prospects coming up through the system. And Phil Kemp clearly, in the organization's eyes, deserved a recall. And let's see what the guy can do. They, they, they like they're they're almost at the midway part of the season, and they played seven defensemen. Most years, you're going to play. 10 to, you know, 12, and they played seven. I mean, you know, Broberg is the seventh guy, but he's in the minors, and they've called up, Denis, or I'm sorry, uh, Gleason, and now uh, Kemp. They're just healthy, and that's a good thing. I, I don't think any Oiler fan is upset about it, but th- this this health thing is amazing for the goaltenders, or for the defensemen. Yeah. It really is, knock on wood. It's something that we've been kind of quietly talking about here at Nation HQ, but not really wanting to do it out loud for risk of the hockey gourds getting angry at us as they have from time to time. But you're 100% right. It's it's a gift right now how healthy the defense has been. And at some point, at some time, some kids are going to get recalled and have to play. And I think a lot of people would expect that Philip Broberg will be back at some point, but I'm curious. I want to know what Phil Kemp can do because I think back to when Vincent DeHarnay was recalled last January and I go, Vinny DeHarnay, really? Wow. That one caught me off guard. And then you see him play and you kind of go, okay, maybe there's something here. And while there were definitely some ups and downs, I really feel like he's establishing himself on that third pairing this year. And if you had told me that that would have happened at the start of the last season, I don't know that I ever would have believed you until we actually got to see him. So I think Phil Kemp's kind of in a similar situation, albeit not necessarily with a spot like Vinny had. But if he can come in and play and give some at-bats and, and, and establish himself as a, a viable option, to be on the third pairing with with the Oilers, he's, he's worthy of a look, and I think they should give him one. So um, I asked this question of everybody, um, but I've asked it all week, and so I'm going to ask you. So here it goes: If you you're you're looking at this team right now, uh, starting slow, doing very well since like November 25th, Vegas and LA are faltering. Is it possible, in your opinion, that Edmonton could finish second or third in the Pacific Division? We talked about this yesterday on Oilers Nation Radio. We had a healthy debate, young Yerubchuk and I, and I think that they can. Unfortunately, um, you know, they've lost three games to the Vancouver Canucks already this season, so like getting to first, I think, at this stretch is a long shot, especially when you have the tiebreaker situation factored in there, but I'm looking at the two teams in front of them. Currently, they are, you know, They've got four games in hand in Vegas. They are tied with L.A., who just lost a sixth straight game. 
So, yes is the answer. I could absolutely see the Oilers going on a run down the back half of the season, just like they did last year. This isn't a team that hasn't done this before. They tend to do it in the back half. We know Connor seems to get better in the back half of the season. Leon Dreisaitl now has goals in seven of his last ten games. So there are some trends here that make me believe, yes, it's possible that the Oilers can climb their way back into not just a top three position in the Pacific Division, but a home ice position for the first round of the playoffs at least. So I can absolutely see second place. It's going to take a plenty of work. It's going to take some luck, and it's going to take some other teams losing. But the Oilers have the firepower to do it. Stuart Skinner has been fantastic over his last 15 appearances. He's got some excellent numbers between the pipes. And if those continue, and I guess uh, and there's a big if doing some heavy lifting in that sentence, it's doable. This team can do it. They have the talent. They have the firepower. They have the roster. They have the scoring ability to make it happen. Um, and I believe they will. I think we're going to be talking about a team that is in the top three by the time all is said and done. And we're going to be looking at this as kind of, can you believe they made that happen despite going, you know, what was it, two, nine and one or something, something wild like that to start off the season. So I absolutely think it's possible. In fact, I think it's doable and I think they will. Bagnelk, last question. So how does Frank deal with the weather and, and, do we do we keep track of his record, and do we care? Well, a couple of questions there, very, very important. So how does Frank deal with the weather? The answer is he doesn't. I opened up the door of my house today to let him go outside and do his business, and he just kind of looked up at me, and he goes, are you nuts? I'm not going out there. <laughs> you almost basically have to grab him and chuck him out the door and just be like, you got to do it, buddy. You got to hustle. It's real cold out there. So he goes out for, uh, you know, some of the quickest dog peas you'll ever see on record right now. And then he's right back in the house. And the second part of the question, yes, we do keep the record. So right now, currently, Frank is 21 and 16. Good. The season. That's he's looking it. for another run here. So he's won a handful in a row now. Um, unfortunately, I just did post the pick today. He did pick the Red Wings today. So clearly, Frank didn't like what he saw in the Chicago game. And maybe it's a sprint pick for Detroit tonight. But we'll see what happens. But at 21 and 16, all of a sudden, my dog is on a roll. And people have to kind of respect his ability to bet adequately on a money line winner. <laughs> Oiler fans love Frank. I, th- I think of, of the three of us, Frank's the one who's going to last the longest. Let's put it that way. He's the one that matters at the end of the day. And as far as, as as far as any of my messages or emails ever go, no one ever wants to meet me. They only want to meet Frank. And you know what? I respect it, and it's well-deserved. There you go. All right, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Al. All right. There he goes. Bag milk. Now we know he, he gets to work afternoon. He was listening as he was driving in. He was listening to the first segment of this show. I thought I had a cushy job. You know, I like I I didn't look at the clock today, and I got here like at 11 Usually I get here. What t- tell the folks what time I usually get here? Eleven forty, I think, <laughs> is about the average time you roll in. Uh oh, oh man, uh, I there's I've been known for many things uh, in my radio career. One of them is arriving at Cowboys on uh, St. Albert Trail before my shift was actually done. I would just play a long song. <laughs> so I get here late and I leave early. Giddy up. That's that's how it goes. All right. There, there's, there's so much big news uh, today. Uh, Bill Belichick, we have talked about him briefly. We're going to talk about him again. We're also going to read some of your very kind comments about our friend John Short. And that's on the way next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick, Peter Gabriel, or as our friend Declan calls him, Billy Joel. 
I knew that was coming. I was gonna, I was gonna try and work in a joke about, you know, we did a song called Salisbury Hill, nice little <laughs> indie song, but you, uh, you beat me to it. That's what happens when you talk first. Mm. You know, it's it's fine. I cannot remember anything. I don't remember where my car is, where my keys are, my social insurance number, but I can remember that the uh, that you thought that that Peter Gabriel Salisbury Hill was Billy Joel. Well, you know, I'm glad I've made an impact. Well, well. That's it. Well, Okotoks Oilers says, this is a sad day with the passing of the goat talk of uh, John Short. Uh, Jason Greger wrote a great article on what John meant to him and the Edmonton sports scene back in 2017. He stated to listen to him since he was 11 at night, did not realize he was getting sports broadcasting course for free. I have many great memories listening to John growing up in Edmonton. Rest in peace. You know, it's uh, I'm not going to have time to read all of them, but there's a... There's tons of wonderful, wonderful comments about John Short and the impact he had. And I know that um, I talked about it a little bit at noon. I know Jason Greger will talk about it at length coming up on his show. So stay tuned uh, at 2 o'clock. I know he'll lead with that because it is uh, a massive story in our town. And and good that we do that. And I'm, I'm glad that we have this this forum uh, to do it in because, uh, and it doesn't matter what city it is. I know that, that, you know, people think it's specific to Edmonton, but broadcasting is always morphing and, um, it, it is, it has in the last year. And so it's fitting that, that, you know, we, we're all kind of together at this radio station to talk about John today because, I don't think there is a person employed in broadcasting on the sports side that doesn't owe a great deal of uh, a debt of gratitude to John Short and to Wes Montgomery and to Brian Hall. And if you're writing uh, about the Oilers and about sports at Edmonton to John Short and Jim Matheson and Terry Jones and Cam Cole, all that group, they, you know, if, if you were around in the 70s and the 80s, and I guess even earlier, you, those are the folks that you read. And you might meet them somewhere and have an opportunity to talk to them. Legendary people. And we lost one today. People really like Corey Perry. I, I have to say that... that Based on what I'm seeing, the, 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 there's, there's trepidation on one side, you know, is he done? And on the other side, it's like, oh, man, get this guy here now. We'll see. I think Ken Holland, based on what we know about him, would be interested. Now, we don't know Price, and we don't know the other options that Corey Perry would have. But we're going to find out. I, I think there's no doubt about that. So I wanted to talk to you, young Declan, about this. We we have some, you know, parallel stories today, so we want to cover them all and be fair to all of them. We certainly are going to uh, pay homage to John Short uh, on this show in the last half hour and definitely uh, with Jason later on today. But Bill Belichick is, is, and this has been kind of a weird week for this because this is like, you know, it, it seems like football in general is saying, okay, well, we're, we're, we're done here. Pete Carroll gets fired, kind of a, you know, an outlier thing. Nobody was predicting that, or at least I didn't see it. Nick Saban retiring, and now Bill Belichick leaving New England, where we suspect he'll go elsewhere. And 
we talked about when Pete Carroll got fired, I was joking, Sandy, or I'm sorry, the Chargers. Uh, there were other teams that were sort of interesting. But I had, before I came into the studio today, somebody had mentioned that he's going to go to a warm weather climate and what that might be. And you said Tennessee. Can you Can you sort of talk a little more about why you think the Titans might be the team. Yeah, I think the reason I said the Titans is because I just think it's a culture similarity. Mike Frabel was obviously a guy. Because wherever Bill Belichick goes, I think the main thing he's going to want to avoid is a steep rebuild. He was in the midst of that in New England with Mac Jones, who I'm sure is not going to be the quarterback next year, and I don't think that's what he wants to be a part of. I don't think his coaching style, his schemes are conducive so you've got what I have. Yeah, quick cough there. Quick cough yeah. there. I don't think his coaching style, his schemes are conducive to a rebuild. I think he's a guy who comes in, makes immediate impact. Now, Tennessee is far from a finished product, don't get me wrong, but I think Will Levis could be a piece of the future. We've seen flashes of that. And I just think the culture in Tennessee that was built on the back of Mike Vrabel is something that Bill Belichick can come into and sit, and sit with seamless, sit with seamlessly. It'll be interesting to see where he, because he's, what, 71. 71, yep. So how do you, like, well, here's another he's got to be here for a good time, not a long time. Yes, and here's another thing. What's the motivation? This guy has won six Super Bowls by all intents and purposes is the goat of coaches. I don't think your, your resume can obviously get better. Sure, maybe you can go win three, four, more, whatever it is. But by most accounts, you're only going to do things to damage your resume. You're probably yeah. never going to walk into another Tom Brady. You're probably never going to walk into another owner, owner and Robert Kraft who gave you all the tools and all the controls that you had in New England. By all accounts, you're probably going to go somewhere and struggle to a degree. And even if you don't, it's probably going to be a hard road to get there. What happens if you go somewhere and you miss the playoffs for three straight years and they say, we're just going to start from the ground up? Yeah. What happens if you go somewhere and maybe you sneak into the playoffs and there's no success? I think when you look at it that way... You can really only hurt your legacy at this point, and I know technically you cannot, because well, I know you can go on and win. Did Brady lose his, like, did Brady, when he left New England, add to his resume? Yes. So does Belichick have to do that to... Compete with Tom Brady? Yeah. I don't think so, and I I think for the most part it's settled. I think that Tom Brady meant more to Bill Belichick than Bill Belichick meant to Tom Brady. But that said, there's no question everything Bill Belichick imprinted with Tom Brady and the freedom he had with his receivers, there's no question that Bill Belichick had a lasting impression on Tom Brady. He helped him extraordinarily. I don't think Brady gets six without Belichick. I don't think Belichick gets six without Brady. But what Tom Brady was able to do, leave and go to Tampa Bay and the very next year win a Super Bowl, nothing short of incredible, especially at his age. The fact that Bill Belichick has only one playoff appearance, I believe, since Tom Brady left hasn't done exactly well with this rebuild and the guy in Mac Jones who was a first round 10th overall selection I think it speaks to Tom Brady being the man in that system okay uh, B B Belichick won six as a head coach Chuck Knoll four with yes. the Steelers Terry Bradshaw the coach there and Bill Walsh won three and were they all with Montana I believe they well uh, because uh, Seifert would have won with yeah, I, then I think the one other thing I'm going to say about Bill, Bill Belichick really quickly, because I know I have a tendency to ramble when I no, get the mic on. No, not you. The one other thing is, and I don't know the exact number, but I believe he is a season's 
worth short of the all-time wins record. So that's going to be something he's chasing. But how many years is it going to take to get that? Even without that, I think he's the GOAT coach. I think most people believe he's the GOAT coach. I think it's nice to add on to the resume, but I don't think it's necessarily needed for him to be the GOAT status. And he's not the kind of guy I don't like. Bill Walsh was pretty darn good as a as a like media commentator. Uh, I don't think that's where Hoodie would not send, go there, right? I don't think so. I think oh. if you're not co- – this is a guy who loves coaching. He's been very forward in saying, you know, this beats oh. working for a living. What else am I going to do? Things like that. But at some point, you know, you're, you're 71 years old. Your legacy is set. You've made probably more money than any coach in NFL history, I'm sure. What's the motivation? Don't you just want to be on a beach somewhere drinking a pina colada saying my legacy's intact? I did all I could. I got a ring for every finger on my left hand and one for the one on my right hand. I'm going to go relax. That has to be part of the thought process. But, you know, computers compete. Yeah. And winners win. And that's what Bill Belichick wants to do. And that's who he is. I think he'll just miss the media so much. I mean, he was just so calm about it. And, you know, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm always fascinated by changing of the guard moments like this because you know the 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 next coach up in new england whoever it is there's a large group of like there's a large group of decisions right away and there's a lot of build yet to come yes so um that's why i think it has to be mike rabel because it's got to be somebody real familiar yes i don't think you can just bring in some coordinator who's had a lot of success with whatever team it may be put them into new england's culture and say hey go figure this thing out i think it needs to be homegrown for lack of a better words and it needs to for some degree come from within so i have one final question we're gonna take a break okay so it goes like this so rabel and tennessee they 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 mutually agreed to part ways that's correct right like i believe that was the release I was. I thought uh, they no. Mike Vrabel was fired. Okay, because I Mike I, Vrabel was the fired. first. The first blush was that they had mutually agreed to part ways, and then now he, the other shoe drops here, and now it would be. It feels like it, Vrabel was already in his mind heading that way, and I just wonder if because of that, because there, there were reports that there was a little bit of a, like a little bit of a you know Vrabel side saying, yeah, I'm ready to go. I wonder if that would result in the Oilers having to send a second-round pick to the Calgary Flames. It probably would. Yeah. It probably would. It's yeah. pretty rare. It's pretty rare you see the old cross-sport send a uh, pick down to Calgary, but this would be the case that happens. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, I always use that line because it's it's sort of stuck, you know, but obviously not. But it's still... Grinds my gears that the Oilers had to. Technically, there's just like if you look at the letter of the trade, there's no damn way they should have had to trade a pick. It's just it's just nutty. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. Okay, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna have more of your lots of text on John Short. A few on the Oilers game tonight. Obviously, they're playing uh, in Detroit tonight, and people are like. I don't know, man. They got to play better, play better than they did against Chicago. I think they will. Is it enough? Detroit's a pretty good team. We'll talk about that next. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger. We're just hanging out. We're just having a good time. 
we're enjoying ourselves. Somebody asked a question, and I'm looking it up. And do you think I'm, I think that that by the middle part of the week, I just I I'm just slower at typing than I than I am earlier in the week. Well, you know, it's also cold out. It's not good good for the joints. Things stiffen up. You know, you've been in here for a while. It's still pretty chilly. Well, out I like how you make excuses for me. That no, is very great. kind of you. I, I got your back. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so the question is regard in regard to what the Oilers got uh, or what the Flames got with the pick that they that they used uh, for M- Milan Lucic. And I, I mean, I can't find the year that it, I know that they, there was a pick. And do you think I can find either I'm spelling Lucic wrong or I can't find the year that it happened, which is highly irritating. Um, but it should have been 2021. It is. Okay, it's uh, Kirill Kirsanov, and he ended up being drafted by the Kings because they sent uh, the 88th pick and 167. So they, they, they moved up to draft Kirsanov, and they sent two picks to, to uh, Calgary. So Calgary ended up getting Cameron Wynott and Jack Beck in the, with the pick, but they traded the pick, if that makes sense. LT, do you think the autos could make it uh, work with Corey Perry and Shane Monahan? Sean Monahan, what would they need to move out? Well, that's a lot of money, depending upon what Perry is making. I like Monahan a lot. Thank you, sir. That's from Pillman, who asked me the question. Justin Herbert is a great young quarterback with a huge arm. Their defense has tons of talent, but extremely underperformed. Belichick could be a great fit to whip them into shape. Well, I only do that because I decided that all my friends who were with me on the outside when the Eagles had never won a Super Bowl, I want them to join the party. So I want Connor's Chargers to win a Super Bowl. Um, I, I want... Like I just I want I want all of that. Paul Almeida is a uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan. I would like him to win them the Bengals to win a Super Bowl, so that Paul and Connor and I can go have like lunch. Paul will pay, and we'll we'll just talk about our Super Bowl victories. I would like to see that happen, but nothing for me. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Well, yeah, you know, you're on the outside. Why is nobody bringing up the potential of the McLeod, Bethel, Thompson, Belichick connection on the Elks? <laughs> oh, my God. We have the best listeners. Have we, did we take a break? Are we on the final segment now? This is the final segment. we got about 15 minutes to go here. All right. Maybe 13. Seifert won in 94 with Steve Young. There you go. Uh, so many hours listening to John Shorty was usually the last thing I heard at night before my 70s alarm clock shut down after 90 minutes. And Edmonds and I got it. Forgotten about that. Uh, John, he was, he was exactly as a person the way he was on the air. He was, he was, uh, you know, he, he was respectful, you know, and, and I mean, I saw John upset a few times and it was, you know, cause he was a big man, like not, not overweight. He was just a very tall, large man. And so, you know, when he was trumbling, bumbling down that hallway, you know, something was up and you, you know, you were glad it wasn't you, uh, you know, who, who was, you know, he was heading towards, but he was a very, very kind guy and his heart, he was a kind guy and he was very supportive. You'll hear more from Jason on that side of it for sure. Corey Perry and his Stanley Cup curse. Three years in a row, he made it to the Stanley Cup finals just to be on the wrong end of it from Dudley. Well, I think the fact that he made it there is a big deal. He's 15 wins short of first. That's the motivation from Ken. That's two years, though. 
I've listened to John Short and his brother's stuff for decades. To me, he's always been the voice of reason and the craziness that can occur in sports. Learned a lot about sports and different ways to look at it. I'm a 70-year-old woman. There you go. The Conroys. See? There you go. John impacted everybody. He wants the win record. They're just typed up in caps. You know, didn't have time to mention Belichick. Just... He well, I, I I I didn't mention it fast enough. I was going more into an opinion piece. Oh, than, I see. Than that. Right. Yeah. yeah, I did get around to it though at the end. Perry is a winner, straight up. Not sure if he'd fit personality wise in Edmonton. He's a type of player they could definitely use. John Short. Everyone has the democratic right to be wrong. From Brad Smith. Yep. The best fourth line th- this year is with Gagne. He seems to infuse energy in Hamlin and Ernie. Well, he's also he he's got skill. Comrie for Perry, who says, no, I said today, this is from the juice, I said today on the blog, I bet Mike Comrie's name comes up, and damned if I wasn't right. Once again, I am right. This is uh, from John Gelly. Uh, Thanks, LT, for sharing the sad news about Mr. John Short. I still remember listening to him when I was a youngster, when I was supposed to be sleeping at a small battery radio hidden under my pillow. He'd usually be the last thing that I heard before falling asleep. Likely responsible for the huge sports passion I have as an old guy. He was a great man. I remember him being very polite and patient when I called him occasionally as a young kid. He will always have a special place in my heart. Rest in peace, Mr. Short. I one time was talking to him uh, before he went on the air about trading Jason Smith, and he wouldn't hear it. You know, he said, no way. Nope. Uh, it was, um, he, he, you know, and, and, the one thing about John was that we're all remembering him as a, a very fine person, and he was. But he 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 would tell you what he thought, and it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, he he would go counter to popular opinion often, and often he would be right. He's a very smart guy. He'd seen a lot, obviously. Um, a, a lot of his his youth was spent, uh, as I recall him telling me, uh, in Detroit and around boxing. And um, his grandparents had a heavy influence on his life. And uh, he, uh, they obviously infused in him a great, a great sense of, of what was right and wrong and being a good person and a gentleman. And he was. Don't sign Perry. He's a curse. My goodness. <laughs> I think we can say safely the opinions on Corey Perry are are from A to Z, or as our American friends say, Z. If the Capitals start to fall back from playoff contention, thoughts of a trade package of Jensen, Nick Dowd, and Charlie Lindgren. Not sure what package would go the other way for the Oilers first round, CC, Broberg, Ernie, or Ernie, uh, with retention of Jensen to make the cap work. Would a Nurse-Jensen pairing be an upgrade? I looked at that, Diaz, from the bridge, and as I recall... Jensen is off, off a little bit this year. Not quite the player that he was. I could be wrong. If Perry is a curse, why did he win it in 2007? Stu bringing up the actual facts of the situation. Do we have room for that? I don't know, but he's right. Um, 
I know a lot of fans are interested in Perry, as they should be. I watched a couple of Chicago games earlier in the season to see Bedard, but I couldn't help but notice Perry constantly. He's still such a smart player, always knows where to be, and of course he has that grit. He knows how to play playoff hockey. would be great for guys like McLeod and Holloway to see from Nard Dog. I don't have any doubt that the, the Oilers are interested in him. I'm just telling you that. If you look at Ken Holland's record, he's everything. He's in the Guiden record book. He's He's got a little bit of an edge to him. He's a nasty piece of work. And in the playoffs, that can have impact. Remember Evander Kane v. Matt Kachuk. So I, I, I just like everything about Corey Perry as a player, and I know he's not the player who's in his prime, Corey Perry, tells me that the Edmonton Oilers are interested. He won in 2007 because he and his teammates were snakes, pure dirt. That, that's my point. The, the, there's a filthy factor in playoff hockey. And it's all, believe me, it's all, I, I grew up a Bruins fan and my God, were they filthy. It's part of the game. And, and if you think that, that, you know, Ken Linsman when he was an oiler or Mark Messier, my God, Mark Messier. I love Mark Messier is my favorite Oiler player of all time. And he was hmm, filthy. And I mean that in a good way. But he he got suspended all the time, guys. Chris Pronger. Do you remember Chris Pronger? So you can't say, I don't want him because he's filthy. The, the, when the Oilers have ever won Jack Doodley, they've had a filthier player or two on the roster. Don't you remember Pronger getting suspended? There was a chart that went, you know, a guy did something horrible. Okay, is it Chris Pronger? Oh, okay, five games. People forget, I guess. Corey Perry is a blank. He would be perfect for the orders. Coach Vic. Give Reed Brady. It took me like 10 minutes to figure out what that was saying. Talking about giving Andy Reid Tom Brady and see how far he goes. Mark Messier's elbow on Rick Natras. Uh, yeah, exactly. The indentation's still there. What about Messier versus the Russians? Oh, my. They wouldn't go. Like, you could tell they'd go, oh, no, it's that guy. They wouldn't even go in the corner. It was amazing. Intimidation in sports is part of the deal. The feet may be slow, but the hands don't go. Sign Perry. Those of us who are a little older know there's a certain truth to all of that. Perry is spare parts, bud, from Highball Hudson. Yeah, I, I'm... I don't know. I think I'm a few years past Bud, but okay. Um, on your blog, you wrote about Corey Perry and referenced Mike Comrie at the end. Can you elaborate? Old man story, please. Kevin in the sauna. Okay, the year was 20-aught-aught-something or other, and Mike Comrie was uh, not happy holding out. Uh, something was wrong. Can't remember. I know he had a contract. And Kevin Lowe worked out a deal. I think it was Corey Perry and a first-round pick from Anaheim. For Mike Comrie. And the deal got got derailed when Lowe wanted Comrie 
to pay back some of the money on the the bonus money on the contract that was signed. And it all fell apart. And then Comrie ended up going to Philadelphia in a deal that was far less attractive, but that's how it worked. Um, and now that did happen. It did. And those of us with long memories will throw that up and, and it's already happened. Uh, hi, Al. I was messaging a friend today sharing John Short stories. One guy messaged and said, I got interviewed by John from the payphone of the Akinsdale Arena after Fort Saskatchewan Traders game back in 1999. One of those memories I'll never forget. Yeah, amazing. John Short, sorry to hear, total class act. I remember him doing a show from Northlands in the restaurant there. He'll be missed from Jumpin' Jack Flash. John Short's show back in the early 80s was, for me, the first podcast. I routinely recorded his show on a cassette tape in our old boom box and played it back while I fell asleep at night. Rest in peace, good sir, from Dunner in North Van. John Short was an absolute treasure. Many nights I call, recall laying in bed as a kid listening to his show. He was my portal to the world of sports I was so passionate about. His iconic, everyone has a democratic right to be wrong, has stayed with me all these years. Rest easy, Mr. Short. You will be missed. From Steve, the, or Steve, the commish, or Steve, I'm not sure, Seve probably. Pronunciations. It's just a goner for me. Terribly sad about John Short. God bless him and thoughts and prayers to his family. John Short's best line, everyone has a democratic right to be wrong. I used to listen to John on the Friday before the draft because he'd always, John, like John had lots of news that he would share or not share. But on the Friday before the draft, he'd tell you exactly what he thought. And, and he was right a lot. He really was. Okay, people are trying to stump me with names now. I'm deeply saddened by the loss of Edmonton sports icon John Short. This comes from James. His tagline, any sport, any time, he could talk about cricket in South Africa to a heavyweight championship, everything in between. Small possibility I read that twice. He was the type of host who could tell a caller to go to hell and have them smile on the way from Phil. <laughs> he was like that in person, too. He was, you know, John would, would, would pay you what you thought it was a compliment, but might not be, you know, you had to go you get in your car and you're like, wait a minute, what did he say? <laughs> he was a great guy. He really was. Why do a lot of people want to get rid of Kane and not want Perry? Those types of players are so crucial in the playoffs. I don't know how many people want to get rid of Kane. Um, you know, he's, he's had tough moments in the last year and a half, mostly due to injury. And when he was caught around earlier in the year, it wasn't working. Ask Nick Vitillo about Messier. Yes, well, Barry to the Leafs makes the most sense. Of course, Brian, everybody to the Leafs. I don't think he's intimidating. He's just dirty. It, it gets a reaction like the, the, the <clears throat> there's, um, you know, in wrestling, when there's always a bad guy, a foil, Hockey does that too, especially in the postseason. And Perry is really good at riling everybody up. And often the other team ends up taking a penalty. All right. Well, this has been, in all honesty, a difficult show to do. And that's a fact. Um, We say goodbye to John Short today. And Jason Greger will continue that conversation with you coming up next. And, of course, obviously preview the Edmonton Oilers game 
in Detroit tonight and talk about Bill Belichick as well on a very, very busy uh, sports day. Thank you so much for tuning into the Lowdown. Please enjoy your day. Lansky and Uremchuk, among others, tomorrow, along with our friend over here doing his declinations. Enjoy your day. It's time for an update.